The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash podshock for your free audiobook download. Live from a meat locker on Mondas, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I... <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, for 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you? Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey Embassy present Doctor Who Podshock. Episode 153. My name is Ken Deep alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. And, of course, across the Great Pond is none other than James Naughton. Hello. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's another Doctor Who Podshock. We are in the midst of a, a summer of 2009. Well, as we wait, we're, we're on the cusp of summer. Well, uh, well, we'll be by the time this gets out. We're, by the time this goes out, we, we'll, we, we might be at the DWNY, the joint DWNY, California Embassy anniversary meetup. Monday the 15th in New York City at the Peculiar uh, Pub will be there along with Doctor Who New York. We're doing a joint meeting. They have their monthly meeting there at the Peculiar Cup, Pub. I can't get that out of my mouth tonight, today. So, um, But they have their monthly meeting there, and we'll, we'll be joining up with them once again for a joint venture to celebrate our 24th anniversary. So it's something very exciting. There's a special surprise guest, which they've already announced on their email. I'm not sure if we should um, make it public or not. We were keeping it as a surprise. Okay. Well... By the time this goes out, we'll hopefully Lewis and I, along with Billy and Joshua Lou and the good crew at DWNY, and hopefully some Gallifrey Embassy members will be joining us. It's a nice evening. There's there's no admission charge or anything like that. You just go to the Peculiar Pub. 7 and walk p.m. Right. Yep, 7 p.m. Um, it's, um, it's in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. Yes. And for a few hours, we'll be getting together and hanging out and socializing. It is an adult crowd. Remember, it is a bar. So it's uh, gen- gen- generally, I believe it's 21 and over there, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, like I said, it's an adult crowd. So, yeah, uh, there's more information on our website, gallifrandemacy.org or pachock.net, and um, or dwny.org on their website. Yes, it's uh, yeah. called "Celebrate 24 Years with Us" is the article name, and you can find Which it on our website. Means we're one year away from a snazzy 25th anniversary, the the silver nemesis itself. <laughs> The peculiar, <laughs> the, the peculiar Pub is located at 145 Bleecker Street, New York, New York, and their phone number, in case you need directions, is 212-353-1327. And once again, that's Monday the 15th at 7 p.m. They do have um, food there, so you can, you know, it's not a full Everything is cash restaurant. Only, it's more man. of a grill type of thing. It's cash only at that bar, by the way. They don't take debit cards or credit cards. It's, it's uh, cash. 
cash only. Just no as a pay heads up. Well, anyway, if this if you're re- listening to this podcast after Monday, June fifteenth, two thousand nine, just disregard what we just said. <laughs> Although that's the, the go peculiar pub is the regular. Artists, you know, you don't know. The the peculiar pub is the regular uh, meeting spot, the preferred meeting spot of of DWNY. So that information could come in handy for future events. And Indeed. if this if you're listening to this. After that date, then you've also missed Who Party Toronto, which we covered in the last episode. And we'll have reports from our get-together, and I'm hoping to hear from Mike as well from Who Party, uh, probably on the next episode of Doctor Who Podshock. That should be good fun, good or times. if you were at Who Party yourself, we would like to hear yes. from you. Yes. Or if you come to our thing, you can report on it anyway. We don't care. Many points of view. <laughs> we're, we're an open podcast. We like to hear different points of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay well it's it's been kind of a slow news week for which a change is, <laughs> yeah which has been a bit of a change because things have been coming fast and furious and that being said that means tomorrow the day after we record this will probably be a ton of news yes uh if the, if the track record holds but it seems that this rumor of a doctor who movie a big screen adventure is not going away anytime soon and just today yep. and, Yahoo News reporting tenant to star in Doctor Who the movie question mark and uh apparently uh David Tennant announced um you know that uh, um you know that when when he was leaving that that perhaps um, that there's some speculation that he's not that he's regretting the decision but that he wants to remain in some way shape or form as the good doctor we know he's going to be appearing in in Sarah Jane at some point so um this well, is this, a new story that's Jane not going away. Taking place before the regeneration of the eleven, you know, from the tenth to eleventh. So, if there's a movie and he's going to be starring in it, let's just say that means it's going to be a a prequel in a sense because it's going to be after yes. the eleventh Doctor has already has um you know taken place and Matt yeah. Smith is already in the role. So, and, but that makes sense, doesn't it? Because and, and it also it means that he's going to be competing with Matt Smith in a sense and. I don't know if it's such a good idea, besides the point that you know, well, you always know the Doctor's going to come through it, but, you know, you definitely know that there's going to be an 11th Doctor, so no matter what predicament he gets in this film, you know he's going to get out of it. But that pretty much goes without saying. If they make a Doctor Who big screen adventure, we, of course, will be excited and, 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 you know, look forward to seeing it and be online and doing the whole thing like we did with... Star Trek or Star Wars or any other movies that we all love as sci-fi fans. But if the choice was given to me, I would say, you know what, keep it on TV. Make a damn good TV show. Uh, let's skip the movie. But as a business point of view, someone like Russell T. Davies or someone like David Tennant, they may want to use this as a vehicle to try and get into uh, – to try to get their career into the next stage. And uh, as much of a fan as I am and, and I would – recommend against using Doctor Who to do that. Uh, I, I understand why they're doing it. We'll see. Mm. I think yeah, we well, all... I, I tend to agree. I think Doctor Who is really uh, is meant, you know, well, I mean, it takes many different formats, but I think it really um, exceeds or um, excels well mm-hmm. on the television format. Mm. Yeah, because it's got 40 years of, of being on television and we know how that works and they know how to, 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 to achieve that very, very well. So, the thi- you know, I think we're all a little bit worried that they're trying to branch out into film. But the thing is, is that you can completely understand why they, they want to do it. I mean, the Beaver making 
huge waves in the States. Um, David obviously wants to uh, further his career. And I mean, uh, all the sources are currently telling us, like this has just come out from the Daily Express, that the script for this movie is still in the very early stages, if, if indeed there is a script. But David wants to be in the film. So from what I've taken from that, and I think what, what everybody's taken from that is that Stephen Moffat and uh, Matt Smith will be doing the show on television, which will leave Russell T. Davies and David Tennant to work on the movie. And it will be two essentially different projects working in, in parallel. And th the thing is, is that that is, is good in a sense because it means that they're not trying to juggle too many things at once because they have the right people working on each project and so on. You know, it's not, wouldn't be Russell trying to do the show and do a movie um, all in one big go. So it, it it makes sense, but quite how that will fit in with the new series, be it, as Lewis has said, it will essentially be a prequel in that sort of essence. Um, or indeed, you know, how they're going to fit that in. Will Will Matt Smith play a part in it? Will it be some kind of extended thing to the regeneration or a flashback or... You know, who who can say? I mean, it's. I guess we'll have to see the specials before it all kind of will make a little bit more sense. Because if if they were smart, what they will do is, I guess, is show uh, or, or kind of preempt the movie a little bit in the specials. Um, but uh, I guess none of us know how that's going to pan out yet. But I've always but said, if they but... do a movie, it should be the current Doctor, whoever that may be. You know, when whenever yeah. the movie came out, and fit it into the continuity and canon of the of the series. I just don't want to see another Peter Cushion type of thing where it's completely outside. If, if it is the case that Russell T Davies is involved, at least that's some reassurance that he'll make it fit into the established canon of doctor of doctor who I would hope. What mm. if it's the adventures of the other doctor and Rose in the alternate reality? Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I won't be standing online for that. <laughs> 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 okay fair enough yeah. um yeah it's um i think the way to go if you 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 want to pick up a story and just have a standalone story that doesn't get bogged down with what the 96 movie had to go through which was explain everything to everybody keep it simple alien time traveler with time machine and that's all you really need to know somewhere in the opening credits and then boom get into an adventure and it somehow slots in and it's left up to people like us to and other fans to just sort of, oh, yeah, though that probably happened after Voyage of the Damned and before the, you know, and just pick a place mm. where, it, where it seems to fit in kind of what like a big finish would do with the classic Doctors is just find a place and there it is. And we do, you do an adventure, you make a great movie that's a great adventure and that's it. You move away from it. But I do agree that it may cast a shadow over Matt Smith if David Tennant is on the big screen smack dab in the middle of the Matt Smith season. Mm. If, if they would have made this movie a year ago and it came out during this break with the specials mm. and you would have just said, okay, well, there's a special at Easter, there was a big screen movie in the summer and then the regeneration episode at Christmas, you could kind of sell it in that, that you know, that was just another one of these specials. They just decided to do it on a big budget on the big screen. It would mm. be a little weird. I, I, I agree I, I, with Lewis in that. Uh, 
it maybe it overshadows Matt Smith a bit. Then again, we don't know the tenants to star in it. How do we know it's not Liam Neeson? Mm. You know, <laughs> well, Liam indeed, Neeson with the is Doctor Who. <laughs> indeed, with the current A Team rumors, he's flying a man from out of time and space. No, don't tell me they're making an A movie, <laughs> an A Team movie. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I posted about it on my uh, Tumble blog uh, recently. And, well, they're making uh, an A Team movie because the demand, the the cry <laughs> of the A Team fans. Has not been silenced for 25 years. Yeah, and MacGyver, I would assume, yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, I mean, they're, they're remaking everything at the moment that they can, aren't they? Unfortunately, Just... you name it, it's being remade. Everything from Total Recall to um, Alien, unfortunately. and um, Are they re- they're remaking Alien, that's really? That's what the rumor right, is, Right, because yes. the first one wasn't very good, so you have to go back <laughs> to it. Of course, yes. yes. <laughs> um Yes, well, I'm holding out for a Matt Houston movie, personally. Uh, the <laughs> ultimate would be Quark. You got to, you know, that was a classic television series that just never saw the, um, never got appreciated. Yeah, no, no, no one saw the genius of Quark. <laughs> is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. You could interpret it from that do perspective. You, do you own that on DVD, Lewis? No, no. Is it out on DVD? Yeah, the full series is out on DVD, and I was just wondering if, if that made its way into your collection. <laughs> I know you have a pretty extensive collection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've scaled back. I can't. I have so many stuff just sitting in there, shrink wrap, waiting for me to watch. I don't buy anything new unless it's Doctor Who on DVD, and then because um, <laughs> I have to watch what I have already. That's yeah. the problem with um, making media is that you never have time to consume media. Mm. So there was also... A casting announcement, I guess. It wasn't really an official announcement. Yeah, it was just news, um, I think, coming out of io9, their website, about a comedian being cast, um, Laurie Lewin, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Yes, I think that's how you you pronounce it, yeah. uh, I've never heard of the chat, really. I mean, reading through the io9 article, um, he's done uh, comedy shows which I have seen, like Touch Me, I'm Karen Taylor and The Life and Times of Vivian Vile. But I, I don't, from the picture, I don't recall him um, at all. So he's And he's also been in things like Extras. Um, so he's been in some big, you know, big shows, that, but I've just never never heard of him before. He's, and his name doesn't stick in, in my brain from anything. So, um, but, I mean, it seems to be the way that... Um, the BBC are going at the moment. They've cast quite a few comedians in Doctor Who in the past, including, of course, Peter Kay, who was in Love and Monsters. Most recently, Lee Evans, um, who was in Planet of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Pegg. And- Simon Pegg, yeah, also in back way back in the, the first series of Doctor Who in 2005. Um, before that, even Ken Dog in... Uh, Ken Dog? Ken Dodd, even, in Delta and the Bannerman. Ken Dog, my Ken, new I didn't know you had a dog. Nickname. I knew you had yeah. cats. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't appreciate a Ken Dog. Indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I, I don't know quite what to, to make of it, whether he'll play a, a cameo or... They, um, they say that he's going to have a, a geeky role. Uh, he's going to play a part that his character... So he's Malcolm, is what you're saying. <laughs> I guess he's the yeah. new Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's a younger Malcolm. Mm. You never know. <laughs> Could be. But it, apparently, reading further on the i9 site, I didn't see this before. But it, in, in, 
quotes from this tidbit. It says, his character plays a pivotal role in the climactic sequence of the events leading to David Tennant's Why departure. Why is it every news story that comes out, you know, relating to the regeneration or any characters that are being introduced, they always say this character or these new creatures or whatever will play a pivotal role. <laughs> because you can't have a casting announcement that says this person will have nothing to do with this story. <laughs> this person will be seen in the background. Yeah. I think the thing is, is that, you know, that will, it's a little bit, be a bit like um, the treativores or whatever that they were called, is that in actual fact, he won't have anything to do with the regeneration. He'll just be in the story where they do the regeneration and all the rest of it, um, you know. But who, who can say? I mean, it's always interesting whenever we, we get these rumors and that the rumors are coming more and more and quick and fast, I think, uh, as time, every, as closer we get to the, the specials and the regeneration. So... The more and more we hear about this stuff, the more credible it becomes. I mean, it starts out in the sun and so on, but it's it's becoming more and more credible. So, who can say? I'm sure that we'll learn more about um, Laurie uh, Lewin as as time goes on. I think you know maybe we'll have the chance to see him in some in some other stuff. And to and to be fair, I mean, you know, um, I guess most of us hadn't heard of 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 Matt Smith before he was cast as the Doctor. Or even his new companion, Karen, and stuff. So it'll, it'll just, uh, we'll just have to see how it all pans out. Yes, indeed. Yes. So the only other thing that I can see in terms of news that's, that's notable um, from, from this week is that the fact that um, they're going to open up a Torchwood-themed exhibition in, in Cardiff Bay. Um, or at well, least they talk, have. Talks are now bounce. sold. I understand they're, um, mm. but they're trying to do that. That would be a for July or something very soon, which I thought was kind of ambitious. Yes, well, it is. It, it the plans itself do seem very ambitious, which perhaps is why um, th- at the moment they're kind of stalled or whatever, because they were hoping to to reconstruct sets from the Torchwood Hub, um, mm-hmm. based essentially across two sort of stories, two levels including the recreation of the main sort of water tower with a lift to the mm-hmm. the hub and all the rest of it. Um, so really a big deal. Yeah. Um, and in, in quite a, a short space of time, really. Obviously, it would be an amazing thing to see in the Bay Area. I mean, that that would be the place to do it if you're going to have a Torchwood exhibition. That's got to be the place that you're going to do it because that, that would be instantly recognisable and it would be great for Torchwood fans to be able to go to where it's all filmed and, and see the sets themselves and all the rest of it. So, um, But uh, if they've Your got to Bay apply area, for... not our Bay Area. Our Bay indeed, Area is in San Francisco. Indeed, indeed. But at Cardiff Bay Area, yeah. Well, you're um, talking about Sheep's Head Bay. Yes. <laughs> Bad Wolf Bay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, if they have to apply for planning permission for it, you know that it's got to be a, a, a serious big deal, really. So it's not surprised that maybe they've they've clashed with city planners and all the rest of it if they if they have been a little bit too ambitious. But um, I, I'd I'd go and see it. I mean, okay, it's not technically um, Doctor Who related because well, it's Torchwood. Well, it's torch- a spin-off. It's still related to yeah. Doctor Who. But I'd, I'd like to go and see it. I mean, uh, it could be could be interesting. And it's particularly nice that, um, you know, they've already got the Doctor Who Up Close exhibition in the bay, in Cardiff Bay. So it, it would be a nice addition. You could go and see that and then go and see Tor- uh, Torchwood later on. So it makes sense, you know. 
And if you can't do that, there's always Second Life. They did a whole recreation of the hub as well. <laughs> it's mm, quite, quite it, incredible. Yeah. Mm. Well, I want to um, make an announcement about some of our own news here. Our, none other than our very own James Norton's on the latest Who on Who podcast, which is uh, David Huey's podcast reviewing DVDs of Doctor Who. And James and David review Pyramids of Mars in the latest yes. episode 10, I believe. So check it out. It's um, there. It's available on iTunes and on the Who on Who website. We have links to both of it on our website, thegallifrenemacy.org or podshock.net. And um, so how was it, James? I it was a lot a chance of fun. To listen to it, it, it really was a lot of fun. And um, I mean, I, I spoke to David before over Skype before, uh, long before we got together to record this. And it, it really was a great laugh because, you know, he, he, very much like when uh, you guys were on the show, he he interviewed me a little bit beforehand and mm -hmm. asked me how I got into Doctor Who and how Podshock got all started and all the rest of it. It was a, a great experience and we had a, a great laugh. So I, I want to thank David once again for inviting me on there and I had a blast for the whole time. And I think you can, I hope that when you listen to it, you can really tell that we had a, an awesome time together just sitting around and chatting about um, the pyramids of Mars. So, I yeah. listened to it yesterday and I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I have to say, first, I'm I'm jealous of David because he seems to first they got the, he's got the coolest logo of any podcast. Yes, yeah, very uh, true. And, and secondly, he actually gets around to his features. He says, "I'm going to review a DVD," <laughs> and he actually and he does, does it. And he he's, he's had <laughs> Lewis, James, and myself all actually prepare for the podcast. Uh, which is is a little bit At different first. than the two hour Time Lord. I mean, um, Podjock. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could put it that way. Yeah, but yeah. it was it was a blast, and and I, I was listening to you talk about Michael Sheard, and and um, I had a chance to have dinner with him before he passed away. Wow! And of all things, the Star Wars celebration, yes. Star Wars Celebration Three out in Indianapolis uh, was pouring like hell and we were everybody was stuck in the hotel and he was standing in the lobby and i was standing with a couple other uh fans and we want to have dinner and he was like okay <laughs> that was it and regaled us with stories of of acting and television and stuff and it was uh it was a wonderful experience and it was only a mm. few months later that he passed away and that that was a bummer Very sad, yeah. I, i've had dinner with him after he's passed away oh boy <laughs> <laughs> Lewis is going to be on Ghost Hunters now. We'd like to welcome our newest cast member to Ghost Hunters. Lewis He's actually going to be a guest next week on Doctor Who Podshock. We're going to um, call him up. You're a frightening man, Lewis. Frightening. Hey, I had, I had heard that um, that John Barrowman had a bow out of that that thing in Chicago. Did you hear anything about that? No, I didn't hear anything of that. Yeah, he um he broke his ankle or something. He it, apparently he's he's. I know well, that, you know, that expression, go break a leg, mean good luck in show business, but he didn't, he took it literally? Uh, yeah, I'm, while we're talking, I'm going to Google John Barrowman. Um, in public? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to Google him right, right out in the open. <laughs> How rude. I'm sure I won't be the first time. While Ken is, uh, is Googling that, I also wanted to, to mention, and while we're talking about me you know, doing solo projects. Yeah, obviously, going David, who we saved the best for last there after um, going through You're myself very, and very Ken kind. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. But I, I also, um, 
am appearing on uh, Ian Todd's podcast called Untruths. He's yeah. just started a, a new series mm-hmm. uh, up on iTunes. He's he's um, interviewed a whole host of really cool and interesting people before this, like the guys from The Big Bang Theory. And uh, he, he said he sent me an email uh, a few days ago to say that um, my show essentially will be well, the show that I'm interviewed. It will be out on uh, Monday, the 22nd of June. Um, it's a, a really funny little podcast. He just interviews mm-hmm. people for sort of five or ten minutes. And the whole idea is just to come up with the most ridiculous, ludicrous answers to the questions as possible. It's, it really is just a big whole joke, basically. It's, it's a lot whole... of fun. I, I've listened to the show. It's, I, I didn't, obviously, I haven't heard your show yet because it hasn't been released yet. But uh, it's, mm. it's a, he has a go at him. And, and it's all in good fun and uh, and yes. he's invited me as well. We haven't recorded yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do. Yeah, but hence the title of his show, which is, of course, on truth. So, but if you search for it on iTunes, if you just type in Ian Todd comedy, that's Todd with two D's, T O double D comedy, then it'll come up and search for series two. And uh, I think he's he's in, he, he last interviewed. Um, oh, what's the name of that chap? Simon. Hedberg or Helberg, I think that one of the chaps from um, from the Big Bang Theory, mm. uh, Helberg, I think uh, is his name. So, really, really cool and funny and interesting, and he, he's a, a great guy. And if you have the chance, if you're in the north of England, he does a lot of comedy shows. He does a lot of tours and things. So uh, check him out. He's a really he's a really good lad. Yeah, yeah. I'm from um, from John Barrowman's official site. He said that he was unable to attend Torch Song. He sustained a nasty injury to his left ankle. Ouch. Uh, an MRI scan has confirmed that he has completely ruptured all the ligaments around his ankle. Wow, that's pretty brutal. Because he he's supposed to be on stage, too, isn't he? In, um, what was he scheduled to, to do? Uh, well, um, he, he, he's always constantly being scheduled oh, to do these Stage shows, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we will naturally. Uh, no, I hadn't heard that. It must have just happened yeah. recently. Well, her, it happened right before he was supposed to go this past weekend to Torch Gosh. Song, the, the uh, John Barrowman appearance in Chicago. So if anybody from Torch Song Chicago uh, you know, would like to join us and give us the 411 on, Scoop, on how things yeah. went, I, I think they tried to continue the convention just the same. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are probably a lot of disappointed um, people there because I think that he, you know, he was a big draw, obviously. Naturally, a big draw. Jeez, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? That was like, it's not like he does a lot of conventions, so. Uh, any. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was at San Diego Comic Con. San Diego, once, uh, yes. Torchwood or whatever, which is sold out. I think I mentioned that last week. The San Diego Comic Con sold out. I want to make an announcement that Benjamin Elliott, who does This Week in Doctor Who, is now posting his famous column that's an outline of everything of Doctor Who, where it's appearing on television and radio and podcasting. A whole omnibus version of it is now on the org or podshock.net site. It's uh, the same um, column that he does for Outpost Gallifrey, but Outpost Gallifrey, as we reported previously, will be terminating um, by um, July 31st. The website will continue, and it will be dedicated to the annual convention in Los Angeles, Gallifrey One, but um, the other associated 
parts of the website known as Outpost Gallifrey and the Doctor Who forum are going to be closing down. Uh, this Week in Doctor Who is posted there now is also posted on our site and mirrored on other websites as well. So we want to welcome Benjamin Elliott to our site and uh, you can find it in the blog section of our site. Yeah, it's fantastic. His, uh, his, this week in Doctor Who is very comprehensive and it's a great resource. I've, pe- I've forwarded his emails cause he has a, a Yahoo group email yes, list. As well. his other- uh, I've forwarded those emails to various friends over the years, you know, sort of saying, well, how do I, you know, how do I find out when it's on or things like that? It's just, it's a great resource. And, and he is a, you know, a strong supporter. So thank you. All right. Well, I think um, we're going to, I think that covers all the news. Unless you guys have anything else, we'll take a break and we'll be back with, um, sure. with a feature segment. Well, is it time to talk a little bit about audible? Yeah, I was going to, do that when we came back but we could do that now let's do it now let's do it now well it'll tie in all together lewis because we're going to join from news to audible to our feature which is on the 10th planet and that actually ties into audible because you can get the the four parts of the 10th planet as the part of the bbc radio collection the original episodes narrated including part four and listen to the original the very first regeneration story ever made Yes, it's very exciting. You can um, Annika Wells narrates it, and you can um, well, well. Instead of me talking about it, how about we just preview a little bit of it right here? Penguins might miss me. (laughs) Take over, will you, Buckley? Dyson, give Texas tracking the next orbital pattern, will you? Right, will do. No cap to use. Paul. Morning, Blue. Morning, Glenn. How do you read me? Loud and clear, Snowcap. Loud and clear. Hey, you're the great view of your weather. Now is it you're in? There's a blizzard and an eight-force wind. Repeat your velocity for ground check, please. Well, let's see. We have 18,250 at, uh, 0-132. Williams coming in. Cosmic measurements are now complete. Are you ready to receive data? Go ahead. Okay, Blue, let him have it. Are you receiving it? Yes, A1, okay. Away from the excitement of the tracking room, life at Snowcap Base is rather more mundane. In the guardroom, a young Italian private is idly flicking through a comic book, making no attempt to conceal his boredom. His American sergeant is peering into a periscope, observing the bleak landscape above their heads. Now, this is all special- I can see is snow, snow, and more snow. <laughs> yeah, now, it's this a is special not story. only because it's the first regeneration story, but it's also the first story featuring the Cybermen. Yeah, it's Anarchy there. Wills is. Uh, narrating the story, she's awesome, and it is the first Cyberman. It's the first uh, regeneration story, and I trying to think what else is it? Oh, Robert Beatty as one of the guest stars. Who, uh, if you listen to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, I mentioned about his appearance in the Blake Seven pilot and Gareth yeah. Thomas doing his impersonation of him. 
So uh, now, unfortunately, this is one of the stories that isn't available complete in um, in, in in whole form on video. So this audible um, audio book of it is a great asset because you can uh, enjoy the full story, and it's it's because the other episodes are not missing. Yeah, it's it's complete in in audio form. And with the linking narration, it's great. And even if you've seen the other three parts, you're, you know, let your imagination do all the work. You just remember a bunch of guys with socks on on their head and those jug handle things, and <laughs> the flashlights, and the opening the mouth, and then and then uh, Peter Hawking's doing the voice. And yeah, the, great the Cybermen stuff. themselves have regenerated many times as well. <laughs> so this is their first regeneration, just as this is the first doctor regenerating into the second at the end of the story. Oop, I gave it away. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic well, we were story. asked to, to go over some of the regeneration stories. And, and I think we're going to start this week with 10th planet. So audible.com is a great asset for anyone. You can get a free audible download when you sign up for a free trial today. And just like this podcast, you can listen to it whenever and wherever you like. And you could be listening to it right now, but we thank you for listening to Dr. Hupachok, so listen to it in place. You can listen from one after another. It has, uh, there's um, 50,000 titles to choose from, from every genre. Audible has it covered. So we applaud Audible for being a sponsor for Dr. Hupachok. Once again, to get your free Audible download, go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash pachok for your free Audible book today your audible audio book down i have a little story about audible for you a, a, a quick Once one upon a time. our our newest west coast correspondent miss amy krell heard you talking about audible and and when i spoke to her this past week she said to me that she has been an audible subscriber forever she was laughing that she's like i'm one of those people who probably has all fifty thousand things <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've been listening to it for years because I guess in your when you're in LA you probably you go through a lot of traffic you probably do a whole lot of uh, listening to things in the car and she's a, a longtime uh, listener she as a matter of fact was going to compile a list of various Doctor Who actors that narrate non Doctor Who books for us uh, as an example Tom Baker and Paul McGann and 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 some of the actors like that have done other readings you know readings of, of other books for for various reasons over the years mm-hmm. and uh so with her help hopefully she will be giving a, a a list and then we'll be able to share some of those as some of our picks of the month picks of the week mm-hmm. well audible has over eighty thousand hours of audio programming so if that doesn't get you through la traffic nothing else will <laughs> well that'll get you about halfway across the city <laughs> so once again, www.audiblepodcast.com slash podshock, and you can get your free Audible book today. And that's in the United States, Lewis? Or that's, is that ever- yes, it's uh, limited oh. to the United States, though we've had heard from listeners that have managed to uh, contact the, the UK version of audible.com, and they extended the offer to them. Fantasmo. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with more from the 10th Planet.
This is Deborah Watson, and you are listening to Doctor Who Pod Shop. You have heard us mention it before. If you love Doctor Who Podshock and you also love British science fiction, be sure to subscribe to our other podcast we do, The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. That's right. Ken, James, and myself team up as we do here in Doctor Who Podshock, but this time we paint with a much broader palette covering all British science fiction. Everything from Blake 7 to Torchwood to The Prisoner, UFO, Space 1999, The Thunderbirds, Tripods, Day of the Triffids, Sarah Jane Adventures, Red Dwarf, War of the Worlds, Tomorrow People, even Doctor Who, you name it. If it's British and it's science fiction, we try to cover it. Find it on iTunes or go to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com for show listings and RSS feeds. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. So uh, we're going to give a quick sort of run through of uh, the 10th planet, a really uh, classic Doctor Who story in that obviously, as we've mentioned before, it's a regeneration from the first to the second uh, Doctor. And also one of those um, episodes where uh, certainly for the, the it's, it's a four-parter and certainly for the last episode, only stills or short fragments of films re- of a film actually exist um which is 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 a huge tragedy really i mean it was it was one of those things where it, it almost would be luckily one of the fragments that does exist is the regeneration scene itself because it would be terrible if that um wasn't uh, it was lost or well, now available. if i'm not mistaken that regeneration scene is survivable is, is survived only because of uh blue peter right didn't they didn't they um they let the clip they, out for a special yeah. yeah 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 which is the, the sole reason um why it is in existence at all which when you think about it as as doctor who goes that is pretty much the most important um scene probably in the whole of doctor who because that shows that's the first step that they took to uh, having the show in such a, a massive longevity. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have predicted at the time that, okay, we're going to do this now and, and it's going to increase the show's uh, 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 popularity over time. And it's also going to ensure that it, it carries on for another 40 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, no one expected uh, that least. or the Spanish Inquisition yet. Both happened. Indeed. And I mean, the episode itself, I think, had um, a huge number of, of, of viewers uh, throughout the whole story. More, more people tuned in to watch that than, than, any, than any, any other episode. I think usually they were getting sort of around the time about an average of five million viewers. With this, with this last, uh, the last episode in, in The Tenth Planet, they got around seven and a half. So um, it really was, it was a big deal at the time, I think. Um, and indeed, our first sort of outing with the Cybermen, as it as it were. So even just on that level, it's pretty important because they're next to the Daleks. They're pretty much the iconic mm-hmm. Doctor Who villain. 
Um, you know, you, you see any publicity photo of Doctor Who and it will have a Dalek in there somewhere and it will have a Cyberman in there somewhere. Well, as you um, said, outside of the – I mean, they were the, they're probably the longest returning villain adversary to the Doctor outside mm-hmm. of the Daleks. Yeah. Yeah, and actually the Cybermen are my favorite villain, so I, I have a soft spot in my heart for this story. Mm-hmm. And I think any – just about any Doctor Who fan – if you if you polled Doctor Who fans, I think you'd find this is probably the the missing story they'd most want to find. Definitely, uh, definitely. To complete the story, uh, it would complete the story, and because of its historic significance. Yeah, and just to put the kind of show in context, I think way back in January we reviewed um, the War Machines on DVD. This. Um, uh, serial actually appears only two stories after that. In between, there was the Smugglers, and then, of course, the the Tenth Planet. So, his companions, obviously, being Ben and Polly, who were introduced in mm-hmm. the War Machines. Um, and if I remember rightly, thinking back to the the story, they arrive uh, in the TARDIS somewhere in the South Pole, sometime in the eighties, near a particular base called Snowcap Base. And, and mind you, back then, that was the future, the 80s. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed, sort of 20 years ahead in, in the future. Um, uh, at the base, I think, it, it, I'm just trying to remember the name of the spaceship that they were supervising the mission. I think, it, was it the Zeus 4 or something like that? Well, the Zeus, Zeus 5 spaceship, which was um, running a, a, a probe on the Earth's atmosphere. And they were picking up sort of weird readings, um, which basically the long... Uh, the short of it of the long story is that they discovered a new planet which was suddenly rapidly approaching Earth. Um, and Insert as a result, space 1999 music here. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Very much so. Um, well, they'll probably remake that in a, f- in a few. Uh, <laughs> no, this word, well, no, there's word about a UFO, UFO movie, which is um, a <laughs> relative of space track. 1999. Yeah, yeah. But the, anyway, the, the spaceship it, itself, I think starts to lose power as as a result and um uh they try to abort the mission um but the doctor arrives on the scene obviously and you know explains the whole situation that that it it is the 10th planet in the solar system called mondas sort of earth's uh twin planet if you like um and its inhabitants will soon be arriving on on earth and indeed this all comes true, and three very eerie robotic creatures land. And I remember watching this um, as a kid, and the the weirdest thing about it for me, which really freaked me out, was the Cybermen's voices. Because yeah. they sort of opened their mouths, just, mm-hmm. just opened them, and out came this really eerie, sort of yeah. syncopated way they of talking. They spoke like this. Yeah, yeah. which... For me, aside from their appearance, because they, you know, I watched it in the sort of the, the early, well, early to late 80s, and their appearance then obviously was hokey. Um, but that was the thing that freaked me out the most, aside from them being, you know, robotic and a part human, part, you know, uh, uh, robot or, 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 or cyberized, if you like, Um which which I think gave me nightmares for for ages. Just whenever I heard heard anything that sounded remotely like the Cybermen, I'd chills would go down my spine. It really scared the willies out of me, to be honest. There's a there's a weird thing that happens in this story, uh, in, in I think it's in the first episode, that is it, it's just a little bit bizarre. The Doctor, I think, writes down 
what they're going to see. You know, the, these uh, people yeah, in some space are like, he, yeah, he, he writes it down or something as if to sort of establish his credibility. It's just a weird thing to do. It's very, uh, very odd. Mm. And he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to write it down as opposed to, to telling just saying it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if there were, if there was a budgetary reason behind that or or quite why they did that. I mean, why or couldn't Hartnell they decided to just, do something just, like that? I mean, just Yeah, just, just it seems like moment. something he do. Yeah, just a, a weird little thing that he'd throw in there. Maybe, maybe he couldn't remember his lines and so they just cut and show, then went back where he was writing it down on a piece of paper or whatever, but um or I don't know it, they can't have done it for dramatic effect, surely. Um but anyway, his prediction comes true in any case, and um, you know while while they're aborting the mission, um, the Cybermen effectively take over the whole base, um, uh, and and the whole crew and everybody ends up pleading with the Cybermen to try and save their own lives. Um, but of course, Cybermen in their, in their classic sort of way say, "Oh, you're all irrelevant. None of you, you matter," um, and explain. For the first time, who they are, which in itself was really chilling itself, because you know they explained, of course, we were once like you, we were once human, but you know because our planet was so far away from the sun and we didn't, we had limited resources and so on, we had to gradually replace our body parts with mechanical bits and bobs, thereby very much like the Daleks in this eliminating their the so-called weakness of of their emotions and and all the rest of it. Um, Re- that was really chilling as well, aside from the, the voice, um, and that they, they they then try absorbing energy from the earth in an effort to destroy it, um, almost like taking revenge on on us on the humans as a whole, and and then propose to take the humans back to Mondas and then convert them into Cybermen, which sounds really like the was, Borg, and this predates the indeed. Borg by twenty some odd years. But well. Yes, literally. These, I mean, you could draw a lot of parallels, and a lot of parallels have been drawn between the Borg and the Cybermen. Um, and again, I think this is is a, a work of, of brilliance of, uh, by a chap named Kit Pedler, who mm-hmm. um, invented the whole idea of the Cybermen. He, I think, he was originally a doctor, um, not, not a medical doc. doctor, not exactly <laughs> a medical doctor. Um, and and he he came up with this whole idea of you know what if what if we could replace organs and things with um uh, mechanical parts or artificial parts and slowly over time you'd lose your humanity you'd lose everything that made you human um which i think you know as science fiction goes that's that's pretty awesome to come up with something new and innovative to show on the screens a really chilling idea um, because that's what sci-fi is all about. Sci-fi is about ideas and, you know, maybe to a lesser extent trying to predict the future, but it, it's about coming about, you know, possible realities and what, just asking questions, what would happen if this or that or the other. Um, so these, these really were the forerunners to the Borg, I think, in a, in a big way. Um, and not to, to ruin too much of the story because um, I've obviously detailed quite a bit of the plot but um essentially uh they imprison um is it ben or polly i'm just trying to think back it's been a while since i've watched it, it well because obviously it's not all in its 
entirety. But they imprison, um, I think it's Ben, um, after he tries to kill a Cyberman. Um, yeah, Ben was in prison. Yeah. And he, he basically sneaks around, is able to steal one of the guards' weapons and, and kill him. And so really, this is another example, I think, of of the uh, of Ben being sort of like the action man. He was very much that in, in the war machines. I'm trying to think back to the smugglers, whether he did anything like that. But he was always kind of like, because the doctor, of course, is is unable to be violent, uh, well, at least at this stage in the game anyway. And um, really, he had to, his companions had to kind of do his dirty work for him in, 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 in essence, I think. And Ben was a, a, a brilliant example of that, um, where, uh, you know, he really, he really did a lot to try and sabotage the Cybermen and uh, uh, prevent various rockets from reaching Mondas. Um, I'm just blanking out, guys. Here, I'm terrible. But it, 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 it without having <laughs> so, to give too, away too much of the plot. You, you, I mean, you, don't, you don't definitely don't want to spoil the end. Yeah. Is, um, I'm I'm curious for. I'm trying to think if that one of the astronauts, um, Williams, is a is a a black actor, and I'm trying to think if if prior to this episode, if we'd ever seen a black man in a Doctor Who episode. Um, to the best of my recollection, unless it's one of the missing episodes, I think this may have been first time on screen, which is, um, in a, in a broader context, it seems now to be like, well, yeah, well, you know, it was bound to happen sooner that kind of thing. But, Mm. you know, it's 1966 and I think perhaps in the dark master plan and one of the, um, existing scenes from that might've had, I'm a bit foggy on it. Yeah. I'd be curious. Well, you know, now that we've said that, I'm sure there'll be some people who'll email and and bring you know bring it to our attention if if, if I'm incorrect on that. Just struggling through my memory to see. Mm. Well, the name of the actor was uh, a guy who played Williams was was Earl Cameron, who's, who's yeah, now Cameron. CBE, um, and he 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 was indeed one of the the first black actors to break what they called the color bar here in the UK. Um, Which doesn't have anything to do with calibrating a television. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Or indeed, well, but way back then, you you uh, you had um, only black and white, uh, obviously. But um, uh, he, I mean, he obviously worked on things like Doctor Who, and he also did things like the uh, Andromeda Breakthrough and The Prisoner. Because um, mm-hmm. I think prior to being an actor, he was in the Navy, and he, he was stationed in Bermuda, I think, or. A really interesting guy, um, and I think he's he's still around today. He's still he's he's in his nineties or something, but really? he's still he's still kicking Get about. Get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think he was he was um, he was very recently he was given the CBE. Um, uh-huh. I think in this year in the honors lists um, in for the New Year's honors lists. Wow. Um, so he an astonishing guy and. Um, yeah, I think I think he probably was one of the, if if not the first black actor on Doctor Who, one certainly one of the first, and in and in a big, pretty big role, really. In a prominent role where he's an yeah. astronaut and a, you know a person of a, a man mm-hmm. of science and learning and bravery. I mean, that's you know for for mid sixties television. Mm. But I mean, the casting that, in this. Go on, sorry, Ken. Yeah, you know, the casting in this is brilliant. Rob, I was, yeah. as I was mentioning at the start, Robert Beatty is this is a legendary actor. He he was in Pink Panther movies and Superman and 
Murder on the Orient Express and and um and most famously to science fiction fans uh in 2001 a space odyssey i mean that's the mm. pinnacle of of science fiction movie making to be working with stanley kubrick um is is amazing and and then to have him on doctor who at, mm. at roughly the same time that 2001 was was being filmed mm. I would I would advise anybody who also haven't hasn't seen um uh, uh this episode or this serial to go and pick up the target novelization because it really is one of the best Doctor Who books I think um written by um Jerry Davis. I think mm-hmm. it was it was certainly one of the first William Hartnell books to be commissioned by Target if not the first. Um, because they, I think they took a lot of flack for, um, they didn't really release a lot of first doctor novels. Um, certainly not until like the, the, uh, the nineties. Um, so it, it is, it is a great book and obviously it, it, it is a bit difficult to get your hands on footage of, of, uh, of, of the, the show itself on television. I mean, I think the the first three episodes are pretty much complete, right? Yeah. Um, yep. It's well, just this is another the candidate last... that they could uh, for possible reanimation. You know that what they did with uh, Invasion, the the Patrick Fountain story. If yes. they could, um, you know, animate the missing bits, that would be great. Yeah, I think that would probably be one of the most requested. Because Ken put, rightly pointed out that certainly to my mind, if if they could find this, the episode from this, it would probably be the most important and the most crucial for me. So I think in off the bat, right in there at that stage, you know, for Doctor Who fans, it's really important in terms of the animation. If if Cosgrove Hall could do something like that, I mean, we know that they that they're doing another um, David Tennant animated series. Um, aside from um, Oh gosh, what was the name of the one that came out two years ago? Um, yeah, the, that's the one. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yes. My, 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 I'm drawing blanks all over the place today, lads. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it's um... yeah. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. But that 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 would be a, a perfect candidate for it, I think. And they they should do that. If anybody from Cosgrove Hall is listening, please, <laughs> please do, please do this. It would be awesome. Yeah, I think it all comes down to uh, to budget reasons, you know, and that's what's the deciding factor. Is um... sure, but I mean, I'd pay for it. I I would uh, definitely go out and buy the DVD um, if if they were to release it with it, with animation because they did such a terrific job of the invasion. I mean, they did a terrific job of the um, of the webcasts and everything that they did. That they did um, Scream of Schalke and things which Paul Cornell wrote. Um, they they genuinely have been uh they are a brilliant animation studio and i i think it would be great if they could do it um i'd i'd pay a little bit extra for the dvd if they if they were to do it mhm i don't know if you guys would but i oh, absolutely would. yeah yeah no we would not <laughs> no boycott <laughs> no, it i can't believe cosgrove hall are doing this again <laughs> we'll boycott it that's it yeah <laughs> All right, so what, let's uh, should we give some TARDIS groans to our review of the Tenth Planet, the last episode of the William Hartnell era, and the very first regeneration story? Mm. I Lewis, will let James to... go first. 
Okay, I'll go first then. For me, <laughs> it has to be five out of five. I think it really is one of those. If I had to compile a list of ten Doctor Who stories that, you know, if I couldn't see any other Doctor Who, this would have to be on there. Um, aside from it being the first regeneration um, and a, and in that being one of the most important episodes of Doctor Who or series of Doctor Who, serials of Doctor Who, because that was a key moment in Doctor Who's history. If um, Patrick Troughton had messed it up, then there wouldn't be any further Doctor Who and it wouldn't be the success that it is today. Then we'd be talking about the A-team. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, instead we'd be talking about Liam Neeson being cast as as Hannibal and all the rest of it. Um, And just a a classic sci-fi show. If you're a sci-fi fan, aside from Doctor Who, it is a classic sci-fi story, uh, particularly for the age. Um, It it has this kind of whole B-movie-esque feel to it. Um, Yeah, reminiscent of the thing. Yeah, in a a big way. I was just talking to, well, on Who on Who, I was talking about, we were obviously talking about the, the Philip uh, Hincliffe era. And I think he will have taken his lot of inspiration from episodes like like The Tenth Planet, like, like, like The Tenth Planet serial. So um, for me, it has to be five out of five straight away. Well, I'm a little bit of a disadvantage because I haven't seen this recently. It's been some years since I've um, seen and, and listened to... Um... The Tenth Planet, and so I'm a little a bit rusty, but I'll give it. Um, I mean, for its historical significance, I'll give it four. And um, Tardis Groans, but when I rewatch it again, I may revise that. I'm giving it purely on an emotional level. I'm giving it five out of five. There are, for me, if you want to start being analytical about it, and, and, and there are little things here and there. It's, if you were going to introduce somebody to what makes a William Hartnell story, you know, what, what makes what what is this Doctor's era all about? Tenth Planet probably wouldn't be a good starting point. Mm. He was he was at the end of his run, and the companions are really set up more for for Pat Troughton than they are for for William Hartnell. Yeah, that, but that's that being obvious. said, the the historic nature of the story, the first Cybermen, the first regeneration, uh, a story on a base like this with a with a nice cast and a and tight sci sci fi kind of story, it's just a wonderful thing. And I really wish that we had a chance to to have the entire thing on video complete as an audio. If you want to review it strictly as an audio, it's definitely five out of five because the story moves very well. The the linking narration is well written, and you'll get the vibe of the story. What do you really need to know? Old cloth faith Cybermen inside of a base in Antarctica with you know um, snow, and mm. so from that point of view, you, your imagination just can run wild from there. And a great mm. a great audio, and and the VHS of it, you know, with, with the reconstruction of of episode four is a worthwhile thing and i'm hoping Mm. to see it on dvd at some point where they can be a little more sophisticated use the technology to their advantage Mm. uh insofar as um existing clips photos you know maybe taking it to the next level yeah all right so that just about concludes our review of the 10th planet we're going to be right back with some feedback feedback 
Unless this old body of mine is wearing a bit thin. What do you mean, wearing a bit thin? Oh, don't worry, child. Don't worry, don't worry. It's far from being all over. Is this register open? The register light is on, isn't it? Did you find everything you needed? Yeah, I think so. What you got here? Let's see. One veggie wrap, $3.69. One latte, $3.95. One slice of marble cake, $1.75. One Doctor Who monthly magazine, $8.99. Doctor Who 10th Doctor figure with adipose, $19.95. Uh, I take it you're a Doctor Who fan. Yes, uh, how did you guess? Uh-huh. And what's this, uh, Doctor Who Podshock? It's a podcast. A podcast? There's no price on it. I need a price check! Frank, I need a price check! Please come to the register, I need a price check! Yeah? How much is this podcast? I don't know. I don't see it listed here. Well, I gotta know what to charge him for it. Hmm. Well, what do you think it's worth? What do you think this podcast is worth? This podcast is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. We would like to thank Wayne Francisco for his donation. If you too would like to donate, please visit our website at gallifrontembassy.org or podshock.net and click the donate link. We appreciate your support and thank you. back with Doctor Who Podshock and we're in our feedback section of the show and this way in this um, section of the show we give your you a voice on the show and you can give us your voice by calling the public call box the Podshock public call box that is that's 206-600-6517 that's a 206 area code in the U.S. so just be aware of that and that's um, it works just like voicemail you can just leave a message there and we'll can play it on the show Alternatively, you can also leave us um, voicemail on Skype or the Gizmo Project, and we'll get it that way. Or you can email your audio recording to feedback at podshock.net. We can also take your emails and other types of feedback as well. But since it is a podcast, it's an audio podcast, we do prefer audio feedback. But we always welcome your feedback, no matter what form it may be. So now, speaking of audio feedback and the public call box, let's see what we have. Um, we we gotten a few calls since our last since we last did our feedback. Let's get to some of that right now. This is um actually came in through email, and this is a feedback concerning our episode one fifty one, which was a couple episodes ago. And this is um this is it here. Greetings, Podshock. 
It's Fox from Redmond again, and you're right. That is the Redmond that's outside of Seattle and home to Microsoft. So, comments on episode 151. Well, let's start out with the casting news. Karen Gillan as the new companion. I think that's actually pretty interesting. It's always good to have a redhead in the TARDIS. It keeps the Doctor on his toes. I'm just wondering what they're going to do with her. Will she start out with Doctor Eleven, or will she actually be part of the regeneration story? Another thing, I hope they don't do a love story with her. Pretty much every female companion so far has had some sort of love story with the Doctor. Rose, obviously. Martha with her unrequited love. Donna, okay, that really wasn't a love story, but they loved each other, but not like that. Heck, you could even argue that some of the bits with Captain Jack constitutes a bit of a love thing going on. Really what I'm saying is I kind of hope they get away from the companions falling in love with the Doctor when it comes to the new series. For other casting news, or rather non-news, the idea of Mark Hamill coming in and doing something on Doctor Who is actually kind of a cool one. He has a tendency to do really good villains. See his interpretation of the Joker in Batman the Animated Series. Having him come in and play some kind of snarky, slick, evil bad guy who just slimes his way across the screen would actually be really cool. I think that would just be a really neat thing to see in the series, though I doubt we'd ever see it happen. As for the persistent rumors of a Doctor Who movie, I think it's just a bad idea right now. The show's at the height of its popularity, and doing a movie would kind of dilute it. You couldn't do it like the other movies, where you have a different Doctor with its own continuity. The show's too popular. People will be wondering, why is it the wrong Doctor? The same holds true if you try to do a past Doctor movie, as entertaining as it would be to see the 8th Doctor return. Though, maybe we could give Vince Fox to do a new TV movie. No, no, let's not go there at all. There's also the issue of doing a movie in the middle of the series. It ends up like the X-Files movie, which, well, it was a muddled mess. They knew there was another season coming when they made it, so they couldn't do anything. The movie could only just pick up the plot threads from the show, juggle them around, and put them back where they left them. There's also the Star Trek Next Generation Syndrome, which is where the big screen movie feels like a two-parter crammed together and thrown up on the screen. It's called the Next Generation Syndrome because three out of four of the Next Gen movies has this problem. So, long and short of it, new Doctor Who movie, bad. Let's just finish up with the specials and get on to Series 5. I'm looking forward to more Doctor Who, however the BBC wants to provide it. Just not as a movie. All right, well, thank you so much, Fox, once again. Um, Fox has been a regular feedback feature of ours now. <laughs> we appreciate your feedback as always. And we spoke about the movie earlier in this podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. On the same line, I got an, uh, a Facebook message from my good mate Rooney, um, a chap who I met out in the convention a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, he doesn't have Skype, so he's he's just letting me know a few of his opinions about the uh, the movie news, um, just through uh, uh, Facebook. And he says that, that of course it's all still rumours, but he can't help thinking if it does go ahead, is it fair on the new regime? Seeing as how obviously Moffat has wasted uh, an awful long time to be, uh, you know. Uh, he's on his own show and if the film does go ahead will he overshadow uh, Russell T Davies or be overshadowed by Russell T Davies and David Tennant 
And what is the point of the regeneration if we're just going to see the doctor again? Um, well, one difference is, of course, that we will have to pay to see it at the cinema. Um, and he says that he's not against a big screen version. But is it sort of the right time now for a movie? And I kind of have to agree with him. I mean, we, we've spoken about this before. And, and that's really the question that most Doctor Who fans are asking is, is now the best time to, to do a movie? I mean, I think we all can see that the reason for doing a movie it would it would bring in an awful lot of money for the Beeb and that would go straight back into Doctor Who. Um, but is it the right time to do it? And that's what everybody seems to be asking. So some good comments, I think, from both Fox and, and Rooney. Mm-hmm. Well, shall I uh, take another call box? Please do. <laughs> Let's take another caller. Go ahead, caller. You're on the air. Hey, guys. This is Richard <laughs> in Wichita. I called several episodes back, and uh, I just felt compelled to call in again. I got done listening to episode 150 and uh, just saw the news a couple of days ago about Doctor Who finally coming to BBC America. I'm sure you're going to be covering this on uh, a future episode, probably most likely 151. Just wanted to, to give my quick comments on that. I think that, obviously, uh, I'll be echoing the thoughts of, of every Doctor Who fan here in the United States and excited that it's finally coming to, uh, to American television. I really think that this is the best move possible, uh, moving to BBC America, and I really you know, have long questioned why it didn't go there first. Now, from a marketing perspective, um, Doctor Who is going to potentially reach a smaller audience. Um, the Sci-Fi Channel is carried on almost every cable system as part of its basic package. BBC America, I believe, should be available to most cable systems now. I think some smaller cable systems probably don't offer it. Where it is offered, um, it is typically an extra-tier channel, a digital channel, if you will. And uh, not everyone gets those packages. Um, so immediately you're looking at a potentially smaller audience. However, I think that it's going to be targeting its audience more specifically and could potentially increase uh, some sales for BBC America in that I believe some fans will now pursue getting BBC America just so they can see Doctor Who, which would be a good thing for BBC America. You know, BBC America, uh, the... Uh, I guess it is the president or whoever is in charge of uh, you know, program directing there had stated that if he had been in charge several years ago, uh, he would never have let this go to the sci-fi channel. And uh, I think this is just indicative of maybe his commitment to, uh, to securing more British programs for the most logical place here in the United States, BBC America. And I can only hope that they pursue Sarah Jane Adventures um, in that they, they are able to secure first rights to, to that programming as well. Sci-Fi Channel is obviously going through some changes with their rebranding coming up in July. It's obvious that they're, they're wanting to get away from science fiction uh, as their main focus, which we, we can go on and on about that. It's one of the stupidest ideas, and I think it will be uh, a huge setback for that channel. Um, but I think that this is a great opportunity for Doctor Who to, to get perhaps better treatment I think there's a potential for maybe even getting less editing. Um, I know that BBC America uh, does obviously edit some of its programs, but uh, there's a potential, I think, for seeing less. Sci-Fi Channel typically does a lot more commercials. If you look at an hour programming, Sci-Fi Channel does do more commercials per hour than BBC America. So while I don't think we'll get unedited episodes, we'll, we'll surely be getting um, less edited 
than we've seen in the past. So uh, I'm sure everyone's got the same opinion as I do. I just kind of wanted to share my thoughts, and I'm excited being here in, in the middle of the U.S. I do have BBC America, so I'm looking forward to seeing it now in just uh, about a month and uh, look forward to the future for Doctor Who on BBC America. I think it's a great move. Now if we can only get some recognition of the classic series, uh, perhaps on BBC America, I don't think sci-fi is going to do it, so hopefully uh, we'll get some recognition of the classic stuff as well. Guys, I'm loving the show as always. Uh, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank I you. really liked the way BBC America treated the classic series when they ran it, and they took two parts and married them together. So you had you took a four-part story, and it was actually a two-part story in an hour time slot, and they were able to put some commercials in and make some money on the show without actually really cutting anything out of it. Or if they did, it was very minor trims. So uh, they they did their own re-edit, and I thought it was done smartly. It wasn't great. I mean, there's nothing better than an unedited thing like we had with PBS, but. Considering that BBC America is a profit-making thing, uh, uh, it was as good as we could hope for. And I'm I'm excited, but I have to make one correction. One of the biggest cable comp cable companies in the country, Cablevision, which is here in New York, doesn't have BBC America, and we've got to make some phone calls and let people know that we're interested in something like that. Yes, and this is the do. perfect time with the launch of the brand new HD channel. Yeah, the, the, you have to make your voice heard, and you just do it in a polite way. If you're a customer, that's um, you have every right to um, to request a channel, and if you contact them, email them, call them, probably uh, write them, shout at them. <laughs> well, in, in customer works. service terms, a written letter is always the best thing. Yes, it's, yeah. a written letter is worth ten phone calls or a hundred emails. Yeah, absolutely. Shall Let's I... go to our next caller. Shall I do another caller? Okay, we're going to go to the, the Pachak Public... Arkansas, callback. you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Ken, James, and Lewis. This is Jeremy B. Met calling from Des Moines, Iowa. So I want to call and let you know I really enjoy listening to the Pachak. I've been listening for quite some time now. First-time caller, long-time listener, as they say. Um, I just wanted to let you know, for uh, people listening in Iowa, uh, there is a Doctor Who club in Iowa. It is called Universal Network of Iowan Time Lords, or UNIT for short. Uh, if people want to join up, uh, we're primarily a uh, Yahoo group. So if you go to yahoogroups.com and do a search for UNIT-1, UNIT, all capital letters, you should be able to find us and get signed up. Um, we have a very active community um, of over 140 uh, people now. And uh, we have people from not just Iowa, but surrounding states, Nebraska, Minnesota. We even have somebody from Australia. Um, so we're not just relegated to Iowa. Um, we do have uh, usual get-togethers, usually once or twice a year, where we can actually meet face-to-face -face and watch some Doctor Who and enjoy each other's company and conversation. And uh, we'd like to have more members. So anybody from Iowa or the surrounding areas that would like to join a really fun Doctor Who group, please sign up for UNIT on Yahoo Groups. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Wow, that's fantastic. And they have one of the best PBS stations in the country. Iowa Public Television still runs the classic series. They've, they've had it for a really long time. So, Thumbs up. Woo! <laughs> Although it must be a real long trip to make it from Australia to the meetings in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking well, that's that. fantastic. That's exactly what we were saying when we did the call out for, for local fan groups to 
you know, to say, hey, this is what we have going on. This is what we do. Yeah. And if we can okay. get them to have a few new faces to say, really, there's more Doctor Who fans in Iowa? You know, yeah, absolutely. There are Doctor Who fans everywhere. Of course. You just need to look for them. And, and Iowa actually must have a, a pretty decent amount if if their PBS stations are running the show. Mm. Then people have access to seeing these things and, 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 and the ability to become fans. Mm. Or they must have a, a bit of demand there for it because otherwise they wouldn't be showing them in the first place as well. There so. you go. Who knew Iowa was a hotbed of Doctor Who activity? It's a very progressive state. It is a very progressive state. So cheers to you. Mm-hmm. Cheers to Iowans out there, if that's how you... First time, it. long time. Love it. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to another email then? Sure. Uh, dear Doctor Who Podshock team. Do you hear that? That's We're us. a team. We're a team. Yeah. Hearing episode 151, I decided I would do a book review for you. There are two books that BBC have uh, recently released, well, in inverted commas, recently, that I particularly found enjoyable. So before I get into what I personally think of the Resurrection Casket, let me just outline to you the plot. In the Resurrection Casket by Justin Richards, the Tenth Doctor is still with Rose, who I have to admit is one of my favourite companions of all time. So this may have slightly swayed my opinion. It is set on a futuristic spaceship for the main part of the book. The difference is uh, this spaceship is actually... uh, an Earth-looking pirate ship. It starts on a planet called Starfall, where modern technology refuses to work. This includes the TARDIS. It follows the Doctor and Rose as they meet pioneers who travel around on this flying spaceship who are out to look for lost treasures of Hamlet Glint. Uh, This review won't go into too much detail because I haven't read the book in a while, so I remember the main story, but I can't recall the whole story. I think if people are like me, who enjoy reading about stories set in the future, in space, this book should automatically grab your attention. It has uh, a gripping plot, and this automatically means you can hardly put it down. I read it in a day because I enjoyed it so much. It has been well written and has a very good storyline. I hope that this is uh, good for you to use, guys. Thanks. And uh, this is from a chap called the App Store Reviewer. Uh, the with a, a three as the e. Um, it's if you go to youtube.com you, forward slash user forward slash the with the three as the e app story. Uh, oh, sorry, it's it's re- rever. I should say it's r e r e v e i e r. Sorry, um, otherwise known as Greg. So cheers for that, mate. I did. I must confess, I did uh, uh, read the resurrection casket when it first came out. I guess two or th- it must be three years ago now and i enjoyed it immensely as well so uh, check it out if you have the opportunity yes another audio lewis yes. or an email we have another one from the pachak public call box hello ken james and lewis this is jeremy from des moines iowa calling uh leaving you some positive feedback on the call box uh been listening for quite some time and I uh, really enjoy the work that you do, and uh, keep doing it. I'll be listening as long as you keep doing Podshocks. Um, I enjoy every program. I would like to see more book and audio reviews. Um, I would like to suggest that perhaps on your website 
you could do a poll of some sort for uh, like the big finish audios and the novelizations in various different categories and have people vote on their favorite ones and perhaps devote a show or two to uh, the top ten, uh, for example, top ten big finish uh, eighth doctor audios or seventh doctor audios. Um, then you can kind of cut it down and do reviews that way. Um, I know there's lots of people that are interested in uh, both of those categories. Um, I manage a comic book and game shop here in Des Moines, and we carry Doctor Who books and audios. And uh, lots of people ask me which ones I recommend and uh, which ones they should listen to or read. So um, perhaps if you did a big uh, encompassing poll and uh, and found some top ten winners or top five winners by of that sort, um, that would work out really well, and you get a lot of people interested in the the outer fringes of Doctor Who fandom, I guess. Um, anyway, keep up the good work. I appreciate everything you do, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Great. That was actually the same cola that was uh, from the call before, and but uh, obviously different feedback. And yeah. as as um, we just did, we did a uh, as um, James just had um, in his previous email there um, more book reviews hopefully so yeah well that was quite fortuitous really <laughs> it was it wasn't planned in any way shape or form <laughs> no it wasn't to say so um yeah we we will try i think that's perhaps the one area where we're we're lacking in terms of uh, reviewing more big finish stuff and on more books and things but um like we've always said um you know please if you if you uh, have some awesome reviews that you'd like to send in to us then this is the perfect opportunity to do so. So just send them in to us and we'll read them out or play them. It's uh, what Doctor Who's and fandom is all about, you know, sharing ideas and opinions about things. Mm-hmm. Speaking of opinions, uh, Tiggs, Tiggs Panther wrote in uh, in an email. He says, in defense of the TARDIS console is the subject. And he says, hi, guys. With all the talk of a possible redesign of the TARDIS interior, I do want to say something about the current one in that a lot of people tend to criticize the current console as appearing to work more my, uh, by magic than by design. I do count myself amongst those missing the old but contradicting, uh, contradictingly high-tech consoles of the older series. Me too. But I also, I also see some of the uh, idea behind the current one and find it's actually less hand-wavy than you might actually think. I think that the current uh, TARDIS console comes over as cobbled together, in that the current version seems very much like what he could scrounge together to keep the old girl running. He's made the best with what he has, and what he has had is not just spare parts, it's several centuries of experience piloting the TARDIS. It's rather like uh, replacing... Rather than replacing every switch and dial with a similar switch and dial, he's rigged it up with whatever he could find. It might look rather slapdash, but I, uh, but he knows what every part is meant to do. Bike pumps, brass slides, and even the uh, odd well-placed technical tap from a hammer just do too much. Uh, just do as much for the sci-fi panel would, simply because he knows exactly how much to apply and what effect it's having. I personally guess it's something like field repairs done, probably during or after the Time War. Control surfaces have been repaired with whatever he had to hand. And a very big part of the control method is in the Doctor's own knowledge and experience. He's MacGyvered up a a system that works for him, even if it does look a little low-tech. 
This is not to say that I don't see a more futuristic console again at some point. I'm just saying that I do think that there's a real working design to the current one. Enjoying the show. Keep up the good works, guys. Tiggs. Certainly agree with you there, mate. I mean, I think this was always inferred from the beginning that, uh, you know, I think even Russell and uh, had said so um, and, and various other members of the production team that, you know, that's what they wanted it to look like. They wanted it to look organic, you know, living, as well as, you know, he'd cobbled together just bits of whatever he could find to get the TARDIS working, particularly because um, obviously the, you know, the Time Lords had gone. He, it's not like he could just, you know take the TARDIS to the uh, Jiffy Lube or whatever and get it uh, get it good to go again. I mean... Uh, Call me old-fashioned, but I like just buttons and switches. <laughs> I do as well. I, I, kind of, I mean, I loved the new TARDIS design when it came out, when it first came out. But now I'm kind of like, well, we, we've been there and done that now. I'd like to go back and see, you know, what they would do in terms of having a futuristic TARDIS console, something that that, that is buttons and switches and you know, uh, very, very ultra high tech and stuff. And I'd, I'd love to see that. I think that would be really cool in, uh, like touch you know. screens and things like yeah, that. Yeah. If they could do but, that, but the know. logic makes sense that he's, he is cobbling it together mm-hmm. from bits and pieces yeah. because exactly. You can't yeah, exactly a, pull it in and get it repaired. It's a ghetto mm-hmm. version of the, of, of the console. And I appreciate takes um, feedback on this and, and, and take on it. And I appreciate it. I know I, had a go at the console myself many times on this podcast saying that it's um it looks more ornamental than functional and um but I, I think Tiggs makes a good point that this is um stuff that he was able to that the doctor was able to as we've been saying cobble together patch together Gallifrey's gone supposedly and the time lords don't exist supposedly so um mm-hmm. it's makeshift you know whatever is out in the field whatever type points. of um repairs mm but you still like a good old-fashioned button or switch, don't you? I yeah. prefer a more functional-looking okay. device, yes. Yeah, <laughs> something that blinks and you can click, 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 you know. I, I, that's just my take. I'm, I'm old-school sci-fi like that. Yeah, I think we all are, really. <laughs> all right. I have a quickie here from Graham. Um, this is, comes in through our Skype uh, voicemail. Hello, Lewis. This is Graham from Germany, otherwise known as City Silver Code. Um, it was just a thought to the possible showing of Waters of Mars, uh, as I've just received uh, a copy on DVD of The Five Doctors. Now, this was shown in 1983 on the, in November on the UK's Children of Need Night. So I think it's a possibility that this November showing would be on Children of Need Night. What's your thoughts about it? That's it. Catch you later. Bye. I'm not sure about that. Would you think they would show it on the same night as Children? The Children in Need isn't. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's certainly a possibility. I mean, Doctor Who has a big history with Children in Need. It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them. It would certainly make sense. Um, uh, and I think that they could uh, get a huge amount of money for charity by doing so. Because well, David Tennant. Um, was on the last Children in Need special. He presented it along with Davina McCall in the beginning and for the first few hours. Um, so I think it, it it would be quite a clever move from the BBC, and it's certainly a possibility. Um, but a bit long, though. I mean, to show a, what will most likely amount to an hour episode in the middle of that, which is a, like a campaign, you know, like a, a well, telephone. Th- 
that's exactly what they do. They they um, although it is a telephone, they do segment it with uh, programming. Specifically, you know, usually it's only half an hour, forty five minutes. But you know, an hour long show isn't that much more of a stretch, really. So you know, because usually they they have the show on and they'll they'll just show the number at the top or whatever. Yeah, I was and... just going to say they're probably going to have that burned onto the screen, the phone number for. Children for in children need. in need, yeah, and they they might have an appeal from the actors at the beginning and the end of the the episode or whatever it might be. Um, certainly, things like French and Saunders, and they they usually well, aside from from Doctor Who, where they've had a, done a more comedy style uh, show in the past and things, they do they do have programming that they specifically make for children in need um, that that isn't necessarily a charity t- style thing. So. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. It's a nice idea, um, but I guess we'll just have to to wait and see what happens. Um, and, if, and if it's not on that night, it's a good bet that there's going to be something on children relating to it, to probably Waters of Mars, either a cut scene or the intro scene like they did with the next Doctor or something like that. But yeah, we're all I, assuming that it's the end of November. What if it's the beginning of November? It's a possibility, yeah. But uh, they, you know, the the reason why I think it will be the end of November is Russell T Davies himself has said November-ish, which kind of means, you know, it could either be early, uh, late October, early November, or late November, early December, because I think originally in in the mm. um, the news that we heard is that it would all three, yeah. the last three specials would be in December, mm-hmm. all three of them, you know. Two around but Christmas it, yeah, time. It's, it's also looking like Waters of Mars isn't attached to the two-part regeneration. Exactly. It's exactly. It's standalone. So it can do another standalone style thing. And it yes. is a horror story. Yes. Well, fr- from the look of the trailer, certainly. Uh, so I, I don't know quite what to make of it, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, uh, it could well be early November and it could just be a big red herring. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, shall I do another voicemail? Why not? Okay, this shall, is also comes, comes from <laughs> um, Skype as well. I really like the show. I've been listening uh, since a couple weeks ago, maybe two months. I am a very new fan of Doctor Who. I, um, I only knew that Doctor Who existed since last December. That's how new I am. Yeah. I just wanted to give you guys a call. Um... And that's really what I wanted to do. Other than that, the, other than that, I really like the show. Um, I, I gave you a Skype voicemail a while back, but you guys didn't put that on the show. And I'm calling from Vermont. My name is Donovan. And, um, yeah, I really like Doctor Who. Yeah. I've watched some of the old series. I, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, the first thing I saw in December was the finale to the season two, um, to the new series, series two. Yeah, I, I saw that, and that's what I, and I have been watching the new series for a while now, and that's what I wanted to say. I just wanted to say I really like the show. Keep it up. Keep keep the good show up every week, and, um... Yeah, just wanted to say, and I'm and I'm really new to the show, as I said. Oh, and I just and I also did buy a downloadable book from Audible. I bought The Evil of the Dal- Dal- Daleks. Daleks, yeah. It was uh, yeah. 
it, it was a good book. Well, I, well I'm, I'm not that far into I'm not that far into the audiobook, but uh, from what I well heard from it, it is good. Yes, I recommend it. It's the the, qual, the quality is good, but I've heard from that on other of these audible books that the quality wasn't too good, but, but the quality on this one is pretty good of the sound quality and that's what I have to say so um, yeah hope this goes on the show and well thank you we we did actually get your other when you first said you had left feedback before that we didn't get to through Skype I initially immediately thought of um, there was a time uh, some months ago that we did get some feedback through Skype but due to some Skype problems we were unable to play them back so it was beyond our control we we don't know what those messages were and um they just wouldn't play back so we do apologize for that but uh we did get your other one which um will either i we kind of i don't know if we'll have time for it in this show but we'll we definitely will play your your feedback we, we want to get some more feedback in there but uh thank you for listening and we appreciate you you know chiming in and welcome new new doctor who fan Yes. Indeed. So did we have any other uh, feedback? As far as emails goes, I think that's pretty much it uh, f- for this week. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up then. Well, gents, are we going to continue our regeneration, um, a series of reviews of the regeneration stories? Because then Power of the Daleks is up next. Indeed. Why not? which is only available on audio. I, I don't think there's any, there's no whole episode. It's just some clips here and there. So we have to do this one from audio. I'm game if you guys are. I, I don't am. know if we want to do it for next time or because we don't, we want to space them out so that it leads into the Matt Smith regeneration. Well, we do have 10 of them or 20 of them or whatever you want to, because we're going to do each side of the regeneration. So, yeah. Um, I think 20 weeks worth that 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 should be doing okay (laughs) well we will have our Gallifrey Embassy update in our we've already did the review of the the 1996 movie but I guess we can re-review it well just we can just review the regeneration part yeah okay well we'll put on deck how about that we'll put it we'll put it in the pipeline for (laughs) we're putting it out there (laughs) putting it out put that in your pipe and smoke (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody well we're just gonna about wrap up this uh super sexy edition of doctor who pod shock so uh anybody else have anything before we go um i hope to see you on the 15th and um if you can't make it there we we do appreciate it this whole month is our celebration of our 24th anniversary we're heading into a 25th year our new website's up come and check it out gallifrandomacy.org or podshock.net we have some other surprises that uh, hopefully will be, um, which Ready we in the can talk about month. maybe next week. Hopefully, there's some other things that are tied into it, which will should be happening next week. We hope, and um, so it's a, an exciting time for us. All right, everybody. Cool. We'll talk to everyone next week. Cheers. Cheers. This is the part of the show where I say you have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyAnimacy.org 
and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. You can follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. Also, be sure to follow Doctor Who Podshock on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podshock. This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Hey, come on, Doctor! Wakey, wakey! It's all over now! What did you say, Madeline? It's all over! That's what you said! Ah, from being all over. I must get back to the TARDIS. Immediately. All right, Doctor. Let's go now. Are we going to go back and say goodbye or anything? No. No, I must go at once.